Hey everyone, welcome to the Flexing Physio podcast. This podcast is aimed for physios, whether you are a student or already qualified and working in the big bad world. On this podcast, we will be giving real-world advice about everything physiotherapy. We will be having a bunch of special guests. And most of all, we will be having lots of fun banter. My name is Dan Chang, and I'm a physio working in a private practice here in Tamworth, and I will be your host. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Flexing Physio. Uh, This is your host, Dan Chang, or Uncle Dan, for those who watch my Instagram reels. Um, (laughs) Today we've got a real special duo on the show today. Uh, you may I've I've harped on them a lot about them a lot. Sorry, um, they're from the Sports Medicine Project podcast. Um, so I'd like to take this time and I'd like to introduce to you the uh, one of my favourite physios in New South Wales, Kelly Cortic, and her mediocre podiatrist boyfriend <laughs> partner Blake Withers. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. One of the favorites in New South Wales. I'm going to start writing that on my resume. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, last time I saw you, Kelly, like in the flesh anyway, you were yelling at me um, during the RPM classes at the forum. Um, this was at uh, University of Newcastle. Yeah, I heard that on your podcast a while. That, that one that you did not long ago, I was cracking up laughing when I was listening to you talking about that because I completely forgot all about that. Yeah, those were some good times, man. Life was quite simple back in the day, wasn't it? Oh, man. It was. So, it was. So I'd give, give you guys some time to um, talk about yourselves and just give us a bit of an understanding of what you guys do and where you guys are from. So, Kelly, I'll let you take it away. Thank you. So I am a physio at a private practice in Newcastle called Newcastle Performance Physio. I've only been here for about six months now. We moved down here from the Sunshine Coast, working up there for a couple of years um, after having studied down here in Newcastle. So now where I'm working, we've I've sort of refined myself to be seeing quite a lot of runners. Our clinic tends to see a lot of runners because myself and my colleague just absolutely froth it. And that's what we do and it's what we're best at. And it's what we continue to sort of um, the patients that we continue to attract to the clinic. So it's, it's awesome. We've got a, a really good setup there. And um, yeah, it's something that I just continue to, to have a huge amount of passion over every day outside of work I run myself so at the moment we are training for the Gold Coast half marathon which is in four weeks which is exciting um finished the Port Macquarie half Ironman about a month ago so run distance running um triathlon is is kind of what I do outside of work and it's lots of fun I enjoy it yeah I must say, I, I don't share the same interests as you, Kelly, <laughs> with the whole running running aspect. Mm. Right, that's all right. Blake, how about you, man? Um, so, yeah, similar to Kelly, we were obviously together and moved down together. Um, I work at a chief podiatry in Newcastle and we're like within a specialty sports medicine clinic, myself and Justin Smith, and we work with several of the sports doctors and, and physicians there. We saw a lot of the footballers, a lot of the runners, and I tend to see probably most of the runners. So similar setup to um, to Kelly. And then I lecture in biomechanics at um, Newcastle University, and I work there as a clinical educator and just finished some post-grad study around running injuries. So very similar to Kelly. Just love to see runners, love to run myself. I do run quicker, 
than Kelly, which is also <laughs> important to know. Longer legs, all, longer over legs. Over all distances. I mean, I'm twice the size <laughs> midway, but it doesn't matter. It's all variable. But yeah, just just That's like fun. to run and to see runners and to um to help clinicians, I guess find out how to I guess approach runners and running injuries. Excellent. That's so good. Mm. And it's uh, quite surreal for me right now talking to you guys, because every time I hear you guys talk, it's listening to your podcast. And um, Mm. my listeners might know that I drive to Canada once a week for, we've got a pop-up clinic there Mm. and it's an hour drive. So it's, um, well, it depends how fast you drive, but it's, um, I'm always listening to you guys and now I'm actually talking to you. So (laughs) very, uh, very honored to have you guys (laughs) Right now, the banter in the flesh. Yeah, thanks. How I, good. Feel, I feel like a celebrity or an influencer, maybe. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my just got two small time podcasts, but it counts. How good. Um, have you guys prepared a two truths and a lie? Because I want to get to know you guys that little bit further. I reckon I can pull one out of the hat. Yeah, we've yeah. played this game in the past, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Should I do the same one that I did last time? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. All right, Blake All right. can't answer. Yeah. Um, I have been skydiving. Mm-hmm. I had a run in with Vladimir Putin. Putin. Yo. And yeah, I ran a marathon when I was 20 years wow. old. Well, I think I've, I'm a bit fixated on the Vladimir Putin one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really hope that's the truth, actually, because I feel like that's too specific to be the lie. Um, I reckon the lie is your marathon. I reckon you did it when you were like 15 or something. Nine. Yeah. Are we locking that in? Yeah, locking that in. You're right. I, I ran a marathon when I was 18. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. Wait, can you expand a bit about the, the Putin yeah, story? Yeah. We shouldn't have asked that correctly because now we played this when we were camping and it sparked a bit of a conversation. So I thought we might as well go into it. Yeah. Um, it's it's probably not not as run in as as it may have implied. But yeah. when I was in Hungary, we were trying to cross a road to get to the thermal baths. Yeah. And we weren't able to cross the road for like 30 minutes until because Vladimir Putin was about to drive down the road. So we were standing there and making snowman. And then all of a sudden, like lots of police cars and lots of limos and black cars and Russian flags mm. came past and, and there goes Vladimir Putin. Wow. So it, it probably wasn't as in the flesh as it, as it sounds, but, you know, claim That's to right. fame, I'm taking it. Yeah. You still breathe the same air as Putin at one stage. <laughs> yeah. I hate this story. <laughs> how many times have you heard it? happens all the time and you just know how it's going to happen. There's no one asks. They go along <laughs> thinking that it was the truth. Like, this yeah. Is like, I feel like I'm just lying to people. <laughs> being a part of it even though it's not my life but I know yeah, the that's it uh well i've got i've got two two truths and a lie as well and you guys right. don't know me that well so you guys can go for it so my first one is my dad's an orthopedic surgeon my second one is uh in my first year when i moved out to tamworth for my year long i volunteered to go um rodeoing they put they they asked who in the crowd wants to come and have a go so i put my hand up and i ended up breaking my arm and then my third one is I had a fear, like a phobia of dogs. Wow, they're all oddballs, all three of them. Why well, I had some time well, to think about this. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I think the liar would be the dogs. 
No, I was, that's what I'm going with. I was going to say, uh, yeah, I might, I might go with you on that one, actually. Go with a dog? Mm. Yeah. Well, no, that's actually the truth. I actually had a fear of dogs growing up because when I was really young. Um, Do this, you still? No, no, I'm all good now. Thanks. Thanks mm. for asking. But when I was really young, um, this medium-sized dog jumped on me. I was, would have been five at the time. So to mm. me, the dog was like my Huge. size. So from there, I just had a, I had a fear of dogs. Well, and that's when you started going to the gym and just yeah. lifted big, heavy kilos just in case. So just you can throw all the dogs away. Just so I can intimidate dogs. That's yeah. right. So then the lie was the rodeo or your dad? Yeah, the lie was the rodeo. Yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, on the topic of my dad being a surgeon, when I was going through physio school in Newcastle, I could just hit him up with any anatomy questions and he'd be like, yeah, this is what we do, blah, 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 blah. What so kind cool. of, do you say he's an orthopedic surgeon? Yeah, orthopedic, yeah. What What kind of orthopedic what, surgeon? What um, that's a good question. I'm, I'm actually not 100% sure. So he yes. he used to be... <laughs> <You're a> <laughs> bones, Kelly, bones. <laughs> Cracks bones. The thing is, he hasn't practiced in a long time because he moved to New Zealand when, um, you know, in 1999... Yeah. So he's he hadn't practiced in for a long time. So mm. in order, like, it, do you mean in terms of is he a hip or like a mm. knee? Yeah, yeah. Don't know. Yeah, okay. Can you ask? I'm yeah, interested I will. now. I'm just intrigued. I'll say I'll just say knees. He said he's done over like two thousand knees or something like that. Yeah. Does he want to be on our podcast? No. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you connect us? Can you speak Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for that. Let's get into oh, this, uh, yeah. this episode. What about- so, no, no, we'll go, we'll go. Uh, Mine are oh, horrible. sorry, Blake. No, no, I don't want, I was kind of hoping you'd skip it because you guys have got good ones. Mine are crappy. Let's just pretend. That all right, all right. We'll you guys, it. you guys just, you guys just did one together. So that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this episode, I wanted to, I wanted, especially wanted you guys on the show because um, we in my clinic for, for myself in particular, uh, we treat whatever walks in through the door. So we don't really have a specific population i guess you can say Mm. um so i would like to gain a little bit more insight on how i can best treat runners uh in in particular so my first real question is what are some of the personality traits that you guys see or you guys are um in terms of for runners what are some personality traits for runners Good question. I think the short answer that everyone sort of gravitates towards is a lot of runners have that classical type A personality. Mm. And I think that that's true on some some level. But I, I also think a lot of what comes into treating a runner is that for so many runners, running is makes up a huge part of their identity. So then when they're injured or they're unable to run, then that's a huge part of their identity that's been taken away, which probably adds to the, I guess, the urgency or the um, need to get better as quickly as possible, which which for non-runners, you probably think of us as like crazy to some extent because you're like, mm. what the heck, this is insane. Yeah. But um, I, I, I honestly think that, that that comes down to a lot of it when you are seeing runners. And I think another thing that that something well has been interesting me a bit lately is um, I started listening to a podcast that was talking about the neuroscience of addiction Mm -hmm. and a lot of these concepts that they talk about, they they almost alternate between 
uh, people that have like alcohol or drug problems and then t- they almost turn into endurance athletes or runners mm. and the the addictive behaviors are very very similar and the I think the the feeling and the um what's the thing called endorphins endorphins okay. yeah just stuff that comes out of um running so compared to alcohol and drugs is is very very similar so so it's 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 like an addiction really for for a lot of um these these athletes that participate in the sport so I I think that comes into it a lot when you are treating these these hardcore runners that Mm. either aren't training the way they want to be training or they aren't training at all Mm. I think it's and I don't necessarily think that's something that you need to bring up with them but it's probably worthwhile being aware of that's that sort of the the headspace or the mentality that a lot of people are are in what would you say yeah I'd say something pretty similar like we'll go a little bit of research to say that like type a personality may be associated with an increased risk of running injuries so personality Mm. definitely plays into it and I think I'm probably a little bit different to Kelly I, I tend to bring that up with them because I know they love running and we all tend to love running, but I think it's good for them to understand, you know, with their personality and how, how much they do love running for the longevity of running. It's probably better that they're aware of it. So they're not out there running seven days a week. Yeah. So, so basically what I've got from that is that keen, crazy hardcore runners and drug drug addicts are basically the same. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and that's why, like, the, the biggest thing that, that we hear, more so when we see runners, because it's generally they've seen another practitioner in the past because yep. runners, you know, we know that up to 79% of runners get injured in six months. So typically someone is seeing a lot of runners. So mm. we know that it's really common for them to be told just to stop running. Yeah. Um, you know, while the injury gets better, which we know there's there's not an indication to do anyway, but it's just like telling someone that's, <clears throat> you know, addicted to drugs, just stop doing the drugs. Yeah, so. yeah it's not that easy, really. Yeah. It's, and I think as clinicians, if you're, if you're not a runner or you can't relate to that, you, you at least need to have an understanding that that's kind of where they're coming from and that's where a lot of the, the urgency is. And so you need to be considerate of coming up with a, a suitable alternative for them to actually be able to get better with that yeah. all in mind because it's hard. Yeah, I feel like the stuff uni doesn't really set you up well, does it? In terms of treating certain types of personalities. Like if we're trying mm. to, um, when we're talking to someone with a running injury and asking them, sometimes they have to stop running for a period of time and do something alternative. Um, to tell them to not run, is, as you said, is like telling them not to do to stop doing drugs. Mm. Um, it's so much more psychology, and when then we become part-time psychologists as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, they're, like they're not going to. And we we argue about this whether it's really indicated to tell someone to stop running, unless you might be concerned of a bone stress injury or a peritendon. Yeah. Generally, you can keep I don't know maybe ninety percent of runners running somewhat. Yeah. Um, even if you're incredibly confident, you were the most well-read on the research person, you tell a runner to not do it, they don't care. They're just going mm. to keep doing it anyway. So you really need to be able to understand that this is how this is how their personality is and work yeah. with them. I like to, um, I just like to ask people, why do they run? Say a yeah. little bit left field, but, you know, if they're running for, say, competition or they're running for weight loss, I can yeah. guarantee the way you approach it should be, should be pretty different. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The, the other thing that I was just thinking... Um, on that note as well, I fully just lost my train of thought then. Oh, no. That's all right. <laughs> it happens. It, it, it just happens. disappeared into the abyss. <laughs> I'm sure. 
That's yeah. right. Have you have you not have you seen many runners clinically? Uh, clinically, just a handful. Um, yeah. So my boss, Warren Ansel, I don't know if you've, uh, yeah. yeah, we talked about, he's he's a bit of an avid runner to say the least. So he turned 52 years ago. So he'd be 52 now. But for his 50th birthday, he ran up and down the lookout, um, up and down until he got 50 kilometers. And we all had bets at work, how long it'd take for him to to complete it. Um, so that's, that's a perfect example of a runner. Yeah, like why, why do it? But just any just kind of endurance. Yeah, and like we've mm. got we've got a runner um, that we train with occasionally, and and on um, the at New Year's Eve he ran twenty point two two kilometers. Just yeah. you know, because he wanted to. They're just like right. funny, funny little traits and things like that that they mm. just get they gravitate towards. What I was going to say before, where I lost my train of thought. Um, in some cases you do need to stop people from running and you for example a bone stress injury Mm -hmm. whether it be a a stress reaction or a stress a full-on stress fracture they can't keep running you do need to stop them from running but it it needs to be a really sort of thought out careful I guess explanation so that they are fully on board and they fully understand why and how long and and they feel super supported within a team of you know a physio a sports doctor a dietitian if necessary as well so it needs to be definitely a a full team to to take on that sort of person yeah for the for the new grads out there listening anyone early on if you do a really really good job with a runner I mean, all the runners we know, runners tend to, I was going to say hunt in packs, but runners tend to run in groups. Yep. If you do a really good job and, you know, you're really compassionate and, you know, you, you just approach them the right way, they're going to tell everyone in the group and then you'll be seeing 50 to 100 runners. You know, you yep. see them all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> so if you don't want to see runners, don't do a good job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do a horrible group. Yeah. Hey, they'll be good patients, though. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, now that's all. That's awesome. Do you guys? Do you guys see any other? Are there any other common personality traits common in runners? Mm. Not, not that would be in an objective way. Mm. Like you know, say I mean, there's depends how you really, I guess, define personality trait. Like introvert, extrovert, type A, type B, that kind yeah. of thing. But generally, it's the, the type A, just that you know, highly addicting nature tend yeah. to be I guess quite motivated and I found as well I, I don't know if it sits really in the personality realm but yeah. their health literacy so that's something that we talk about quite a lot at the university you know yeah. as clinicians we want to be increasing our patients health literacy which is yeah. basically their just understanding of their own health and body and why they're getting the the right treatment and management so runners typically come in with a pretty high health literacy so you yeah. can't Honestly, you can't really bullshit your way around it because they know what they're talking about. Or they've seen someone in the past that's told them something in, yeah. Or no doubt they've done their own research at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah they they've listened they've listened to the sports medicine project. They know a <laughs> thing or two. They know what's going on. I think you raise a good point there where they they you can't bullshit your way through it and, and they know what's going on. Cause the other thing is the chances are they've been to to many health professionals before in the past. Mm-hmm. And so that can sometimes, you know, be a um, a blessing and a curse I guess in the same in the same breath because they have a a wealth of knowledge about what they think is going on and what they yeah. think the, the best management might be but it's it's probably very much worthwhile diving into what's been told to them and, and if it is accurate because as we know not all clinicians are that um, yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Mantel, date or up to speed. They've got tight calves. It'll be either they've got tight calves or a flat foot, and it's like yeah, we've does, heard doesn't, some shockers. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. yeah, just uh, the... just stretch and uh, low dye taping, isn't that right? Oh, the, <laughs> yeah. the sesamoiditis because of the contralateral yeah, weak yeah. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. Just uh, strengthen glute meat. That's all you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> Simulate squats, baby. All day. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that brings us to my second question I'd like to ask you guys is what are some sub subjective interview must ask questions when a runner comes in? Yeah. Kelly, Kelly can start this one off. I, before we, we get into them, I think I don't, I know everybody's different and I know there's plenty of different business models out there. I mean, we, we have an hour initial regardless, whether it's children, whether it's um, elderly young runners or anything like that. I think it's really, really important that you spend a fair chunk of time in the subjective history, just mm -hmm. because there's so much that you've got to go over and there's so much that you want to rule out. Like I say this with every patient, you know, we ask about our patients, do they have any you know, family history of any joint skin conditions, just things like that. With runners, you don't want to just say, oh, great, you run, how many days a week? Three or four great, you know, how many Ks a week? I do 20 Ks. Like there's so much more you want to know intensity. Is there heels? What shoes do you do? Do you strength train? Is there any rest days? Because all that stuff, if they're injured, you can play around with all those variables. If you know they run hills on Tuesday and Thursday, you can just take that out if they've got an Achilles issue and they can yeah. probably keep running. So mm. I'll let Kelly kick yeah. that off. Uh, so we use Clinico. I, I totally agree with everything that Blake says. So we use Clinico. I don't know if, if um, I think most people might, I don't know. So I think it's a fairly common um, note-taking system mm -hmm. that we use, but I'm sure they'd all be fairly similar. But you, on most, I would say you can create your own initial consult templates. Just copy paste it in. So we, we, have our, we have an initial consult template for runners. So if someone comes in and they're like, oh, I'm a runner, then I'll, I'll immediately just pull up this this template straight away. So I've got all my questions there ready to go to make sure that I, I ask them all. So I'll typically start with just a vague, you know, tell me your story situation where they can, they will often talk for, for some time if we're, yeah. if we're talking runners, mm -hmm. but then the specific questions that I have is in terms of like, how does the injury or the pain respond to running? So I have a recent increase in training load um, and we might dive into that a bit further in terms of how much and, and what that looked like. But would you, would you just say that to them? Usually this is probably something that's been talked about already. And, and mm. this is just the things that I have specifically jotted down where I'll write yes or no, just for my own sort of clinical reasoning about what could be mm. going on. And more often than not, yes, there is a recent increase in training load. Sure. Um, then another really important question, which I think is, helpful with diagnostics is the pattern of pain throughout a run if, for example does it get better does it get worse that that could you know rule in or out certain yep. conditions for sure so that's definitely worthwhile asking um at what point do you start to feel it Mm -hmm. So does it come on immediately or is it after 10Ks? Because again that can help with how you're going to load manage. And then following on from that, at what point does it stop you if it does stop you? Um, have you had to modify your training in any way? So when, as Blake said, whether it be speed, intensity, uh, hills, surfaces, anything like that, um, frequency. 
and does it change with different surfaces or terrain? Again, that, that can sometimes be quite diagnostic for, for certain injuries as well, or it might give you a little bit of a better idea of particular structures that could be involved because we know that tendons actually have to work a bit harder on softer surfaces. So if a softer surface is, is making it potentially more painful, then you could be, this is very black and white, it's never black and white, but yeah, for sure. argument's sake, you could be thinking more tendon, whereas if it's it's more so on, more painful on road, then you might be thinking more um, joint or bone related yeah, injury. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then how does it feel after training or running? Does it, does it get achy afterwards or, or does it tend to go away as soon as you stop? Um, any, what particular shoes you're running in? Oh, I'll just, I'll just add to, to Kelly's one, you know, pain after running and just mm -hmm. seeing if it, if they find that it settles within 24 to 48 hours, you know, we yeah. know that I always say this um, little quote to patients like tendons talk to us the next day, yep. you know, pain during after the day after, you know, if pain's consistently continuing to get worse for days and days, you're probably pretty confident of something more sinister, you know, than a, yeah. a tendonitis or a tendinopathy, but yeah, mm, sorry. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Through. So there, there are my particular questions that I ask in terms of how does it respond to running? Um, and then other things that I like to go into is so their, their training load. So what days of the week they're running on, how many days of the week they're running, their intensity, their volume, what they're training for, um, mm -hmm. any other training that they might that's, be um, doing that's as well. That's uh, important what you're training for, really, yeah. really important because that's going to change their, their mindset and how they apply themselves to their running. Like if they've got a half marathon in four weeks and I'm going to, I'll tell a story after this of a patient. If they have a half marathon in four weeks that they're trying to PB for and they're running with a big group, you telling them that they need to stop running, probably not going to go down mm. too well and really yeah. trying to work out. And you can be transparent with patients and say, my recommendation is to reduce your training load. If you're not mm. going to do it, you know, just let me know and we'll try and work around it. Because yeah, yeah. yeah it's, and yeah, if they want to do that run really well or if they just want to do it, that's going to change it as well. Yeah. yeah um and yeah that's a good good point I had a patient on Friday who he has had this niggly lateral hip pain with running and he was like I have, I'm not putting any pressure on myself for any events I just want to get this sorted I don't care how long it takes I'd rather just do it slow I wish every patient was like and that I, yeah, yeah. like the dream the absolute dream yeah. like perfect no rush it's no pressure just yeah. whatever so so yeah that that's so, super important to ask that for sure wow very um, good and then years running, so their their um, their running age, I guess you you could call it that. That's uh, important too, because it's going to give you an idea of how how um, strong their foundation is. We we know that injuries tend to for running, they tend to sort of spike in that first first year or three years of of running is when mm. injuries are probably more common then mm. they tend to to level out a little bit and then mm. it seems to be another increase again at about the 10 year mark i don't mm. know why this is mm. but that's that's something that we have found um in terms of when people are getting most injured in their running history yeah. journey i guess i was just going to add um here in tamworth i'm not sure if you know but Tamworth, we're famous for the, our golden guitar. I we're, went to Farah in Tamworth. I did oh, all my high school up there. Oh, yeah. perfect, perfect. Yeah. Um, and so you, you'd also know that Tamworth is also the fattest uh, city in Australia. Really? I didn't Number know one. that. 
Yeah. Well, we've just got uh, a new Maccas. So we've got four Maccas in oh, total now. I remember it was, it was always like, I'm so obsessive that there was three. Yeah. You were upset there were three. No, I just couldn't believe there were three. Like the yeah, that's that right. Big, and know? now, we've, now we've yeah. now we've got another one. So now we've got four plus a new Hungry Jacks. And anyway, so we're we're heading to, to a very uh, bad place. Um, the reason why I say that is we get a lot of overweight people who um, who are maybe office workers and that they just start running from mm. a middle aged uh era or, or timeline and then is that when you start seeing lots of tendon related overuse not not because the tendon hasn't had enough time to build resilience build up the strength and they've just gone from doing nothing to bang running 5k every day plus plus i guess any other metabolic things that are going mm. on and that that mm. low grade inflammation that's going to be in their body anyways if they are quite overweight and yeah. I guess like anything you know um st- starting off slowly and making sure that you've got that capacity to be able to tolerate load is is important and when we talk about running it there's there's quite a lot of load going through the body with every step that you take plus factoring in if you've got a, a higher, you know, BMI or body weight. So yeah. if you don't have that capacity to be able to, to tolerate that stress, then it makes total sense that, that that particular person or patient that you outlined is, is going to run into some problems, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Running's not great for, we know it's horrible for bones. Like we know that it's, it's, a, it's about horrible. That's well, no CBT. It's about as good as building bone health as swimming is. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we don't have any research on it on basically the how it helps with tendons. But we know overall for the body, it's not great at improving the capacity in the sense of if you run, yes, you do build some running capacity, but it doesn't make you kind of immune, whereas other sports, you, you kind of does. So yeah. you need to be adding in and layering definitely strength training. I just, just want to well. add to that or just preface mm-hmm. that running is not horrible like it's not Sorry. making your bones worse it's no. just not making them better yeah it doesn't make them stronger yeah right yeah. I, I really <laughs> i really want you guys to have an episode where you just sit on a topic that you guys both disagree on yeah and we'll get there complain. we'll, we'll get there it. in this episode oh, I know we will. <laughs> now she's, she's lit the flame now now she's done that i'll just oh, start picking out anything i think our last podcast was <laughs> arguing for a good 10 minutes about stress fracture versus fracture yeah that's awesome well, i did <laughs> i did want to add to a couple of kelly's questions because she missed heaps which is typical <laughs> um uh, asking your runners, and I've just quickly written these it down. Hasn't finished yet. Yeah, but I can see she's. I'm taking all these off my mind. She's prepped for days, weeks for this <laughs> podcast. So definitely asking your patients and runners if they're on Strava. Most runners will be. So every single runner that I see in the clinic, I will follow them on Strava. And if you don't know what Strava, it's really just an app for people to record their runs, and you can see the pace, and you can drop down information. Let's say you've got someone running, you're getting someone returning to running to an injury and you can track them on Strava. They can jot down a little bit of information about how the run felt. So if you can see they ran five kilometers and they felt pain at two kilometers and then it kind of went away, they can put that in the notes. Then the next week they might say, in the notes, you know, I felt pain at four kilometers. And the next week they might say I had no pain at all. So you can objectively see before they even come into the clinic, great, my patient's getting better. I can see that they're striving, that they're improving. It's such an easy thing to do. Because if you have someone come in and like, hey, how are the last eight runs? Can you tell me? Mm. And they're like, oh, I've got no idea. So that's another one too. 
to add in. Kelly picked out what they're prepping for. That That's important. I do like to ask him as well, what's their training philosophy? And I tend to do this with anyone that goes to the gym or anyone that's active. You just get an understanding of, of their commitment to training. Like yep. if they're like, yeah, I'm hardcore David Goggins style, you need to really <laughs> kind of change your approach to them. Yep. Whereas they're like, yeah, I just train for mental health. You know, you're like, well, great. Let's stop you running for a little bit. And that's okay. We might get you swimming or on the elliptical or, or doing mm. something different. Yep. Um, yeah, what's their understanding of the cause as well? If they're really biomechanical, if they're like, oh, it's my flat feet. It's yeah. like, great. We've probably got to address that sometime <laughs> in the next couple of appointments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just yeah. one more big question. If you're seeing a female who is yep. getting recurrent injuries or- Can I guess? Can I guess? Bone stress injury, go is, for it. Is it um, related to their periods? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's something I have never asked. <laughs> or yeah. never uh-huh. really thought about asking just because I it's something that I've just never thought about and only after listening honestly listen to your podcasts about it has mm. it then uh, made me more aware and actually I feel like another reason why I don't ask because it's it's quite an awkward question mm-hmm. especially feel. for us just being males yeah just yeah blokes being like yeah. hey yeah, yeah. It, it is, it is. And it might not be the first thing that you talk to them about, but you can always explain to them why you're asking the question. And yep. something that we have recently been learning more about as well is, you know, red S or relative energy deficiency mm. in sport in, in yep. males as well. So um, back to the awkwardness thrown onto me, I, it's, it's, you know, a conversation of trying to ask men if they get a morning erection. Yeah, Most mornings of the week is a really yep. good indication of their hormonal profile and if that's in a, a deficit or if it's been impacted through overtraining and underfueling. Mm. That's again, it's not something that I have been able to ask yet, or if it's appropriate even to ask some, you know, young men. Um, yeah. But it's 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 in the back it. of my mind and it's yep. there that if the flags were there and if I was suspicious of it, then I, I probably would. Absolutely. And nine times out of 10, it may not be related. And I'll just use this example because it's an easy one to think about. Like a young female with a bone stress injury that had been told, you know, multiple times to work on strength and conditioning, their training load, change their Mm -hmm. shoes, all these other things that definitely do have evidence for. But the issue was, you know, no one had ever asked around um, the menstrual cycle which was irregular and having hormonal issues. And literally as soon as that was addressed, no more injuries. Like it's not an easy thing to address, but you can see how that can just be in this spiral of issues for years and years when not getting picked up, which is horrible for that. And we don't want people going through Exactly. I feel like if you want to ask uh, one of those awkward questions, all you have to do is just explain why you're asking. And once you've done that, once you've done that, like, you know, they understand and it's not really that awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, I, I think just coming out there and labeling it depending on the person in front of you you know you can say to them look this might be feel a little bit confronting but I'm asking you this because it's a really good indicator of your your all-round health but Mm, like you know what is your menstrual cycle doing are you getting one regularly if they say yes also double checking that they're not on the pill because that's not really an indication that they're getting a a menstrual a normal menstrual cycle 
Um, or if they are a, seem to be quite an open person, then they're probably not going to be bothered by it. You know, mm. most most people trust that they're coming to see a health professional, and the questions mm. that you're asking them are with the intention of getting yep. them better and and understanding their their health. So yeah. just asking, you know, well, what's your menstrual cycle doing, and mm. and leaving it at that. You don't. The more awkward you make it, the more awkward they're going to feel. So That's just right. don't be awkward and just yeah. ask it. That's right. I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh, sorry, so guys. I was gonna say Blake would know people here in Tamworth's pretty chill. Yeah, pretty relaxed out the sort of pretty stuff. Chill. <laughs> and like they say, so like they're just gonna go back to their running group and they're just gonna say, Oh wow, I just went and saw Kelly. Like, oh my god, she was so thorough. She spent yes. 25 minutes asking me all these questions. I know exactly what we need to do. I just feel so confident. Like, if you just say, Oh, okay, you know, how far do you run? Great, let's get in and, and see what we can find out. It's not yeah. very thorough. Runners appreciate um yes not specificity just like that real meticulous nature because they're meticulous with their training a thorough assessment i think that's what it boils down to like i've never heard of someone coming to see me who's been referred by a gp i've never heard of them complain that their gp was too thorough Um, if anything they're always like oh my gp didn't didn't ask about a lot of things just glossed over a lot of things and Mm. yeah And subjective is going to give you a diagnosis nine times out of 10. So spend your time asking that like anything really, but particularly because there are so many specific questions that can really just lead you down that, that track of knowing exactly what's going on. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. All all those, um, those questions, I knew we were just going to yarn for ages, but I did want to get this important because I know (laughs) runners are really mechanical. Yeah. All these questions that we ask, you know, we're trying to work out, you know, what may have been a contributing factor before or usually during the consult behind me. And I have a whiteboard in my clinic room. I'll just draw like a big cup. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. as we go all through, these, all through these questions, we might ask, you know, 10, 15 questions. I might get five, you know, six, seven things out of there that I think have contributed to the development of this injury. Mm-hmm. And then when we're finished that, or even at the end of the consult, I'll just draw them in the cup. You know, it might be recent increase in load, might be a change in shoes. You know, they might've just started a new job, that kind of thing. They might not be sleeping really well. So we'll always ask about sleep, stress, that kind of thing. And then when I draw all these things in the cup, I'll just basically say, you know, these are likely the contributors to your injury. And I just think it's really good for them to see, oh, great. It's not just my tight calves or it's not Mm. just this. It's things like sleep, my relationships, Maybe my foot type does play into it, you know, my strength and conditioning. So just good to them to know that injury is multifactorial for sure. Yeah, and fantastic. Not just, yeah, some random person telling them they're a pronator or they're knee valgus or something. Yeah, and I'm sure runners talk amongst themselves and they've probably been told, oh, you, you need to stretch your calves or do yes. A, B, and C, you know? More foam rolling, more foam yeah, rolling. that's it. More dry needling. Yes, yeah. Um, well, I'm really happy that we talked about all that. This is a very information dense episode probably the most information dense episode to date mm. Mm. <laughs> um but we're this is part one so we're gonna carry on part two in the next one in the next episode where we're gonna talk about the top three most common running injuries mm. and also we're gonna touch on uh common mistakes that young clinicians make when treating runners mm. so if you're listening to this stay tuned for the next episode thanks guys thanks thanks guys